Hi, this is Andy. I play Rowan on the podcast, and I just wanted to take a little moment before we begin to thank you guys for your support. This podcast means the world to us, and it still blows our mind that uh, you guys have embraced our weird little family uh, the way that you have. So, Hudson Miles, uh, Robert Hawks, Nick Scott, Ian Ford, Gillitis, Matthew Smits, Mary Rain, Chris Walsh, Christopher Bruce, Mike Hammond, Michael Pollard, Jason Campbell, Michelle B, Heather Romantic, Noreen Elizabeth, Robert Andrews, David Forsey, Heather Baird, Cheryl N, Chelsea Dab, and Chelsea Scott. Really, we're just so grateful to have your support. Previously on Wonders and Blunders, the caravan crew contacted Rowan and Bree to confirm they were alive, told them they were on their way to rescue Light and Bido, and learned uh, not a whole lot about what was happening to them beneath the ocean. They then concocted a scheme to infiltrate Lilia's lair by filling a bag of holding with water, climbing inside with water breathing, and tying the bag to Kara in eel form. Meanwhile, Bree and Rowan explored another residential district, discovering a letter from one of the storm giants, which implied the city had been abandoned so that the remaining inhabitants could live on after some kind of tragic event. I'm sure we'll figure out what that means soon enough, but for now we rejoin the caravan crew as they stare at their plan's blueprints which is a picture of a bag tied to an eel. On this week's episode of Wonders and Blunders. Do we just say like great plan and then uh, skip to the next day? <laughs> it's either this it's, it's either this or we can also discuss the other plan of finding the, the the entrance to the temple. Maybe yeah, this could be plan B maybe. And we go. In either case, I'll certainly do some scouting. Yeah, so we <laughs> want to bring maybe the the cabin close, but not too close. And tomorrow we can go, or the next day, however long it takes. Once we get situated, we could go have a look. And if she hasn't blocked that entrance to the ceiling, I'd be surprised, but it could be good, or it could be a trap. Well, certainly it's a trap. We are, we are without a doubt walking into a trap. We, we need to be prepared for mm-hmm. that and realistic about the fact that she intends us, she intends for us to come and rescue them. Yes. And uh, honestly, that's why I, I kind of think the crazy plan is a better idea. Because it's the least predictable. It's the least predictable. It's the least likely to work. So why would we do it? Why is it the least likely to work? Because it's crazy. No, it's not. It's just getting in in a creative way. It's not. <laughs> Listen, Ben, you and I have to sit down sometime and I'll teach you about the Paxi culture. <laughs> These kind of stories, these are the things that drive our culture. Okay? <laughs> like, this is exactly the way that all of the famous heists get planned. All right? This is how I think, I, I think it's good. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> and uh, imagine the story once it succeeds. Okay. Now, Fezric, and I'll walk over to Fezric, and I want to spend the rest of the afternoon doing everything I can to explain to him how to cast spells without stabbing himself. <laughs> okay, uh, make uh, make an Arcana check that will represent the day's work with Fezric. Okay, twenty-one, twenty-one. Okay. So how? To, like, what do you do? You, do you want to go into like a small amount of detail with what you, how you do that? Like, what training yeah. do you do with him? I, I'm going to introduce him to material, somatic, and verbal components. And I'm going to show him how different spells require different components, but those can be different for each wizard. And and he's like, yes, for instance, my material yes, is a but knife. have you tried My somatic screaming. is cutting my hand. Have you tried then- screaming with great deal of anger, but, but producing that anger from within? You can try pretending at first. The knife is like drifting towards his chest. No, 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 no! <laughs> Not that deep within. And I'll, I'll, I'll like hold onto the knife. Just, just try it for me, and I'll, I'll just see if he, yeah, like experiment with uh, different methods of, of casting the spell. So everyone else, all day, as you are traveling, whatever you're doing throughout the day, in the <laughs> background, you are hearing Fezric just going, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
and screaming in the That's background funny. with no lightning striking. Can, can I do an arcana check to see what I know about lightning? Uh, like the spell itself and yeah, what yeah, components sure. it might have? Yeah. Which of these are actually required? Um, that is just a 15. Uh, 15? Uh, 15 is enough. It's not a crazy spell. Um, it is... It's, it is the spell Lightning Bolt. Verbal, somatic, and material. Yeah, and I, I think I would just keep exploring that's like, so this is how you've been doing it, but um, you could do it in, in these other ways. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think like you clock looking at it that he is wearing fur on his cloak, which is at his like wrist. right. And that the handle of the the handle of the dagger has like amber inlaid in it. Okay, and so I'll show him how to create the like the static electricity by just rubbing it along his sleeve instead. Yeah, yeah, and it it and, and I think like this day goes by, all this screaming, all this stuff. It's like insanely frustrating, and it to the point that I think you like walk away to be like, we will try this tomorrow. And as you're going inside, you see lightning strike out the window. And he, like, kicks the door open and is just, like, showing you his hands and they're not bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've done it. Fezric, oh, you've, you've, you've done it. Oh, you're, be- you're wonderful. You're much better than my mother as a teacher. Oh, she was terrible. She just said, look inside of you, son. And it was ter- It never worked. I always looked inside and I never saw anything. It's, it's incredible. You, you've, you, you've done it. I grabbed my spell book. And I like break open the spell book and, and, and uh, lay it down next to him and st- start going through spells to see what other like cantrips or level one spells you might be able to pull off. Okay. <laughs> uh, what, what, uh, what else did people want to do during this day? Uh, relentlessly work out. And also um, Star is going to be pretty aggressively training Dust. Uh, and Dust is like very receptive to it to the point like it, even with the planning and everything that's Dust going and on. Sky, to be clear. <laughs> right. Sky's yeah. already trained, but yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Dust is a child, so needs to learn. And, and <laughs> I think like even through all the planning, which is usually one of Dust's favorite parts, like he was notably absent. You find him kind of tucked away in the back of the caravan. You can see like his journal is open and all of his stuff is set up like he's going to journal, but he mm-hmm. just like is puttering around and like moving stuff you you come in, he's like looking out the window and the place is just in tatters. He's torn it, torn it up, just moving everything. Uh, hey. Uh, hi. <clears throat> Star doesn't really like say anything actually, but um, takes out his uh, non-magical rapier. Just like, so you just hear kind of the swing of the rapier coming out and he just sets it on the, sets it on the ground a little bit and sort of holding it, but sort of pointing the ground. And he said, uh, come here hops down off the bench and just kind of walks up. He's not really looking up at you. He's kind of just looking at the ground. And Star grabs his hand and puts the rapier in his hand. And he looks up at you. For for the time since light has been gone, I think he's just kind of, his face has just been all twisted up in worry. And for the first time, you see that kind of drip away a little bit. And that little glint in his eye comes back. Are you going to stay in here and keep uh, wrecking your stuff? Or are you going to... Fight to get your cousin back. Am I ready to fight? Well, you're not ready to come with us, but you're ready to... Now is as good a time as as ever to get ready to defend yourself. I feel ready. I never want that to happen again. It's never going to happen again. And then Star takes the the scabbard of the non-magical... Like his non-magical rapier off and takes the sword and puts it into him and gives him the sword. And he is just like holding it and he's looking down and you see like a couple of tears like fall on the scabbard and he just like quickly moves his sleeve and like wipes them off and then like wipes his eye with his sleeve and looks up and just kind of nods. Yeah. Come on. We're going to go. We'll get Ben to end sky. Oh, yes. The passing of the martial heirlooms, a time honored tradition. <laughs> and then like, and a fucking iron pot hits. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and Yuri is just like, 10 points. <laughs> uh, how much damage would that do? <laughs> he's just At least a, one. He's just an owl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So Star uh, gets out. Brings dust out and calls over Sky and Ben and gets ready to start 
Draining. Cool sword. Is that is that yours now? And like uh, uh, Ben is like uh, uh, looking at the uh, rapier on a uh, uh, dust hip. And yeah, dust takes it out and tries to do a flourish, but it like catches on his pocket and he just tears half his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just kind of lowers it and he's like, yes, I'm, I'm going to get used to it. Yeah, we'll we'll start training, and you'll it'll feel like a second arm, a third arm. It'll feel like a longer part of your arm. And he kind of looks at you, Star. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Okay, everybody, line up. Time for tabaxi squats. Okay, one tabaxi squat. <laughs> As Ben and Dust follow Star's fitness and agility regimen, we drift far away to Rowan and Bree, who continue to turn over the houses in the load ward, looking for more clues around what happened to the city's residents. I guess I, I'm looking for if there's a, any more lantern oil or something like that that I could get, take another one of those. And also uh, things that would make noise, like uh, bells or, or maybe... Um, smaller like tin cups or or like thimbles i guess i I don't know little things like that that i could scoop up and you you find another sort of like whittler's house okay and and i I think you actually find like a set of like like a children's toy almost lock picking which which are sort of the size of wind chimes yeah which do like clang together a little bit okay And, and i think in the cook's house you would, you would see that there are no lanterns. Like, looking around for lanterns, yeah, you never cubes, see any. Yeah. It seems like all the light is from these cubes. Okay. But there is a cooking fire in this cook's house, and there is some fuel there for that. Okay. Oh, all right. I'll take some of that. And uh, looks like lock picks or chimes. Or I'll take those. Yeah, all right. And uh, yeah, and just mosey on my way. Yeah, you gather those things and get back together. Anything good, Bree? Yeah, he's uh, uh, very good herbs and the like. Oh. Uh, he's like small garden in house. Again, uh, giant is just resting in chair. Oh, really? You you found another he, one? Yeah, he's just lying there. He's plants all over him, but he's yeah seem very peaceful. It, see, that's just curious. I, I found a letter, and it talked about uh, how they all went to some place called Law Talk. Uh, I, I don't know what that is. Uh, they were saying that life here is just waiting and, and, and wasting. You know, she didn't seem to, or he or whoever wrote it anyway, didn't seem to think there was much hope in this place. Uh, and it seemed to be the fault of, of somebody named Locke. Uh, well, here, let, let me show you. And I show him the letter. And uh, show, and she, uh, yeah, I point out the law talk and uh, I'll explain, like, there's the, there, there's the name Locke. And, uh, oh, and, and this bit is interesting because this, this makes reference to some kind of cloud gate. Now, now, what do you think of that, Bree? Large gate that we come in, these pictures of cloud all around it. Oh. Is it perhaps just what Seal City? Oh, you think so? Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Uh, certainly what you say make it seem like uh, a city does not crash into ocean is placed here. Oh, now that's a thought. That, that's, a, that's a thought. So, so maybe they're saying that there's hope that the, the cloud gate maintains is, is just simply to keep the water out. It's possible, uh, but there's much left to explore of cities. Yeah. So. But, but you know what? The more I think about it, though, Bree, how would how would this other person get to that cloud gate, you know, unless it was some sort of transportation to begin with? Like, well, what is it going to do to swim to the, the bottom of, of, you know, God's know what, wherever this is, and, and then just walk through the gate? Like, no, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just hope, but... I feel like maybe this is a portal somewhere in the city. If there is portal, is perhaps a way to get home then? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. That, that's definitely where my head's at right now. I certainly hope. I do not want to have to swim out of ocean. Yeah. Hey, hey I got some noisemakers and stuff here too. So the next time we, we settle down, maybe we can, you know, set these up and uh, I, I don't know, but think about take them anyway. Well, he's a very smart idea. It's uh, not a bad idea to trap like Baito. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then, yeah, I guess we would just um, make our way to the end of this uh, section and poke 
our head into the through the next door. I, I'm assuming just all the other doors are open at this point because they are. Yeah. yeah, presumably this thing walked all the way around to try and find us. <laughs> yeah. So walking through this next section again, I, I would say you've you've spent probably an hour or so here, uh, searching the houses, giving them a thorough once over. Uh, coming out the other side, the light from this area again goes about 30, 40 feet into the next room uh, where you see the ground in here is paved with a shiny blue stone. Hmm. And the light stops at the edge of two more large statues showing storm giants that just like the bottom half of them visible, the rest like disappearing up into the dark. Can we uh, try at the doorway to flick the light switch again if we have yep. one of the keys? Yeah. So you turn the key in here, again, like getting up on each other's shoulders, sticking the hex into the wall mm. and turning it. I'd imagine now that the movement's pretty fluid, like up and down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well practiced. Bree literally forms like a little <laughs> yeah. step ladder with her tail. <laughs> <laughs> so as you turn the key in here, uh, above there is a flickering. For a moment, the whole area is washed in blue light. This place is a giant decorative communal square. There are statues showing storm giants holding books and paintbrushes, some of them with axes or hammers, and they all lead down two pavilion walkways that meet in the middle from a door that you see here and then a door on the other side, easily 250, 300 feet away. Oh, wow. They meet in the middle and then go up the center in a wide pathway towards a huge crystalline cathedral with a large staircase leading up to these gargantuan doors. Mm -hmm. As you're taking this in, the blue light above flickers and dies, but these little like twinkling lights come out of it as this little shock wave comes out. It's like a pop. Okay. Uh, and these little blue lights come out of it and start just floating down slowly, giving slight illumination in the areas that they fall and they start mm. kind of just swirling through the air on this invisible breeze. Mm. And again, beneath you, that deep rumble sounds again. Uh, question, in terms of the entire city layout, would we say that we have made it around to the other side of the entrance gate? Uh, just about. Like so this, yeah, okay. looking at the picture, um, this is quite... Like, this is quite easy to identify on your picture of the city. Hmm. And it looks like opposite of where you were, there are three large areas like this, uh, which make up three sections before it goes into a residential section on the other side. So mm -hmm. you're basically, yeah, halfway around the city. Yeah, okay. okay. And those those light motes are moving on a, on a draft. Yeah, they're just kind of like floating around. They come straight down and then are sort of like spreading around in different directions. It seems like whatever lights it up is leaking out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you've described it before as, like, no like no dust. There's nothing moving in the air. So I think maybe yeah. that draft would, if I can tie it to the lights, fine. But otherwise, I think that would definitely get my, my guard up. It's really, it is very strange. Yeah. Um, and, like, looking up at it, you can see that it, it does form, like, a little waterfall coming out of a small crack. Okay. But then as they detach from each other then it's it's like they have this mind of their own they're carried around by some strange force okay uh, if there is something Jiren is looking for in here it would seem a big crystal house is perhaps a good place yeah well I mean you don't build something like that to put grain in I'll tell you that I have never seen anything built like this no 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 uh, and I'm kind of looking around and listen to what I mean those little moat things are moving around on some kind of breeze, and, and that's the first time we've really seen something like that. So I don't know if that's got something to do with the magic or, or some kind of creature causing it, but, uh, you know, let's, let's be wary. Uh, if we want to explore in uh, Big Rock, uh, perhaps we close door on the other end of hallway? Yeah. Make sure that uh, nothing else sneaks in here and surprises us. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that idea. Let's do that. Yeah, can we go to the far end and, and try to close that door with the same key? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, making your way over, uh, and every once in a while, just one of these little dots of light kind of like lands on your clothes, 
mm. and it, it sticks there for a moment and you feel like a like a shock a small shock okay. coming out of it not enough to hurt you but as it shocks on you it then will shock off and detach and just start floating away i'm gonna pull out the uh key what was it called again the storm, storm key. storm key yeah i'm gonna pull out the storm key and uh just kind of like hold it in front of me as i walk and see how it interacts with any modes that might drift by or anything else almost immediately like as that moat detaches from your clothes when you pull out the storm key it magnetizes to it and as you're walking through more and more seem to take like any that come within say 20 25 feet of oh, you wow. even just no longer lazily gliding but shoot to the key hmm. uh, and it, it starts to create kind of a torch for you all right i kind of look at brie with like my eyebrows up and sort of shrug and keep going yeah yeah she gives an impressed look <laughs> So you make your way to the other side. So going across this path, you get to that big center path kind of in the middle of all of these statues. Now this torch lighting up enough of the area to be able to see up there, sort of midriff area. And you are crossing across the front of this big cathedral, which would look out over the center of the city where all wow. of these doors that you've seen have wow. been closed off. Mm -hmm. So you cross across the front of the stairway of that, that leads up to that cathedral and over to the other side with the door in this next area. The door that leads in here is much larger. And through the other side, uh, you can see a few of the moats have moved past you and are kind of drifting out into this room. And you see most notably in the very middle of the room, not much around it that you can see, but a huge anvil, too big even for a storm giant to use. Oh, wow. Ooh. Uh... Uh, I, I I hold up the axe. Yeah, and it, I, I it, mean... Does it feel drawn towards <laughs> it, I guess is my question? <laughs> you don't. So when you hold out the axe, after the battle, that sort of feeling of, of destroying this trespasser faded from you. Mm -hmm. And now it is just, I, I think you felt yourself kind of unconsciously being pulled by this curiosity. Mm. This And th there's like a, a moat of worry in you too mm -hmm. that you feel like as you move through having seen the person in the rocking chair discussing about this like letter and everything this growing almost unconscious worry has been growing mm. alongside of Bree's own natural worry of well, what the <laughs> hell happened to this place yeah uh, well I uh, I would like to explore but perhaps he's uh, and, and Darth's looking back and forth between the anvil and the, the giant crystal cathedral. Perhaps he's uh, one step at a time, yes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that thing's got me itching too, but uh, let's focus on this room and, and then and then we'll do that one. Uh, agreed, agreed. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess we would try to close the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, this door does uh, respond. It, it closes. So I, this is a crazy <laughs> thing for you to keep track of, but uh, in terms of those rings... Mm-hmm. Do they all more or less work, or do am I constantly like kind of cycling between them to get them to work? No, all these rings uh, in those door controls have worked okay. no problem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that large door closes quite quickly again. A brush of air coming past you, and and this moving air being different from the general stillness, mm. uh, you do notice it doesn't move the moats. Oh, okay. I was going to ask uh, the statues in this uh, giant pavilion room. Are they also attacked by? Bug monster? They're thing? not. No. They're not. Okay. Just no. The other one. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't think Bree would have any other thoughts. That was the only thing that kind of occurred yeah. to her about the statues. Um, statues aren't her thing. <laughs> yeah. I, once the door is closed, I, I would start moving towards the giant crystal cathedral. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not foreboding sounding at all. No. <laughs> uh, what What time? I mean, time is irrelevant. But uh, how long would I have been? Would we have been awake at this point? Uh, it would be like just past midday. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. Mm. So you make your way up this grand staircase, now the blue light from the storm key leading your way. Oh. And as you make your way up, just outside the doors, just these huge decorative doors, you actually see one of them is cracked open. Mm. Uh, and, and a couple of the moats are, are floating inside okay. uh, through this large crack in the doorway by far enough for you to fit in. These doors... Again, massive even for a storm giant. But at the foot of the door, and in comparison to this door looking almost like a child, is another 
storm giant corpse. And just like the others, is sitting there just with its its knees up, its arms resting on its knees, and its head resting on its arms, it looking like exhausted, almost. Mm. And as you make your way up to them, you see the crack in the door and leaning against the inward door, the one that's still closed, is a journal propped up in the doorway. Seems like notes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at the guy, the, the giant kind of sitting there too. Are they dressed like they're maybe guard, like they're a guard or something, or they're just normal from what I can tell? What is sort of left of their clothes is... It doesn't look like a like armor or anything. Okay. It looks comfortable and it looks kind of official. Okay. Mm. Uh, more so than the others, they looked like they were uh, what what was left of their clothes was mostly like gone, uh, except for some of the heavier leathers and stuff. Okay. Um, this one seems to have been like it is embroidered with medals and chains, but it, but it does look more like like a fancy, almost yeah. like a politician's yeah. clothing. Uh, it- Can- we search him for keys, like a ring keys, necklace keys, anklet keys. He does not have one. And as you go over, like, sort of looking around, he, do- he doesn't have anything on him. Oh. Uh, mm, okay. And his, yeah, he's just sort of sitting there in this exhausted position with his head down. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I pick up the journal. Yeah, and and as you do, clattering off the front of it, is one of these hexagonal rings. Oh. And this one reads Lock Poi. Ah. You same, uh, same rune as in letter, yes? Yeah. Oh, that's good, Bree. Yeah, uh, this seems to be the name. So I, I'll crack it open and, and start reading. So it, it looks like a lot of the pages have kind of rubbed away. You see a few, like, strange diagrams and some jargon that you don't really understand. Okay. The things you do get, one page, a couple of words left on it, says, globe stops just feet from the outer ring, is fatal within. And it looks like a bunch of words in between there have been scratched out. Okay. uh, Or lost to time. And then a couple of pages which, looking at the paper here, look like they were written to last. Like, as you're flicking through the pages, there's a lot of, like, regular ones. And then there are a couple of pages that use like a much higher quality paper Hmm. and an ink that looks like it has not rubbed away at all. The first page is ripped out and the second one starts with the sadness, the worry. It's like a sickness. Lode has done an excellent job of making the ring self-sufficient. Kratok still functions. Our food is secure. We can survive, but our people still starve. Hands pressed to the fields, staring. We had to turn off the lights, but the imagination is powerful. Any moment of idleness and the mind summons the tableau. We'll send them to Law Talk. They'll hate me for this, but they must live on. I'm no Magda. I have to believe that she would have done the same. I pray you may eventually read this. I'm sorry we left the lights out. We could not bear to look any longer. I'm sorry we couldn't fix this. Know that we tried. I do not know how long it's been, but our bodies and minds are tired. Lode, Forrick, Kif, and the others who remained already drifted to rest. Only I remain. Your families are safe in Lotok. They never gave up hope. And I can only hope that with your return, they will eventually forgive me. Lode assures me the city will run for centuries. She made sure the cloud gate will be operational should you return. May we all finally find peace. Yeah, I would have read that out loud as I went along and uh, just kind of grown a little more somber as it went. Yeah, I think you see a visible, like, ripple of goosebumps across Bree as she kind of shudders. And the axe gets heavy again and you feel kind of a secondary sadness pushing up. Uh, these law talk, perhaps some of them have survived there? Is maybe named for another city? 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It seemed to be their backup plan anyway, but, uh, yeah, can you imagine having this happen and then having to leave your home? And it's probably seen as a one-way trip. I mean, even, even this bit of hope here, you know, if they come back, it, it does seem to be, you know, belied by the tone of the rest of it there. What would they have sealed here? Forced themselves so deep underwater? I don't know. Was it like a, a ritual gone wrong, maybe? Or, or, or enemies? Like, were, were they at war? Is it what Jiren was looking for? I think so. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the, the closest thing we've come to, to something that would interest someone like Jiren. And I'll look up into the dark above us but I, I still just don't know how we got here you, you know I mean not us but but the city it's a good question it does sound like it is on purpose though yeah and this this and they hate him for it but I mean what were they preserving like what what you know if the, the people are gone and they were sending them to law talk then, then what was the reason what were they fleeing from or, or hiding from or, or, or protecting uh, something tells me uh, whatever it is it is likely in here yeah yeah. oh, oh and, and I'll flick back to the bit talking about the globe um, and I'll be like hey there's a bit here uh, it's kind of worn out here but something about a globe and something about being fatal so so if, if we go in here uh, keep an eye out for uh yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we'll see it, but, you know, maybe changes in air current or, uh, I don't know, keep an eye out for, for marks that there might be some kind of deadly globe or, or something. Mm. And and Brie kind of, like, uh, shifts her cloak, like, back over her shoulders just to expose as much, like, skin as possible and just to try to sense herself into the environment uh, even cool. more. Yeah, and I'm also absolutely peeled for dripping noises as well uh, yeah um well then yeah i would step in through the hole in the door yeah and i i look behind us as i sort of step through behind brie rowan and brie step into the dark entrance of the cathedral eyes and ears straining for signs of ambush meanwhile kara walks around the back of the cabin as the mimic carries them north trying to ignore the rest of the party in fear she might overhear their plan and unconsciously pass it on to Lilia. Kara is lurking and she's like working around the edges of the cabin and the encampment and finding broken things and casting mending. Just generally staying away from everybody, pretty quiet. So as you're sort of making your way around the outside and fixing broken stuff, yeah, I think one of the things you notice is that, like, I think you've gotten kind of used to being wary of what you pick up because there have been so many mimics around. Since you got up and moved, like, as you're going around, you actually don't notice any until you get around the backside of the cabin. And you notice, like, a weird thing with the pseudopods that where they are sort of reaching up much higher than they usually do and really smashing down on the ground on the outside. And... As you're, like, fixing some stuff on the outside of the cabin that has been, you know, broken by the combat, you see a little spoon, like, inchworming its way across the snow towards the outside of the wall. And a pseudopod on that side rises up in the air and then plunges into the ground. And as it does, a little mouth opens up under the spoon and it just slides in. And then the ground closes up again and it's gone. It's depositing its young. Or it's eating them? Yeah, I'd like to go find a rope and dangle off the side to see what I can see underneath. Yeah, so you, uh, like, securing it to the side of the walls, you kind of rappel down. As you're down there, you see another one of the pseudopods raise way up in the air and plunge into the earth. And you see, like an elevator almost, these different eyes opening up. And through the eyes, as they open all the way down the pseudopod, you can see a book traveling through and it disappears under the snow line and then the pseudopod gets pulled back up and continues walking. Yeah, I'm going to run back to the group. I'm going to come back inside. Do we have a map? 
I think we're above a um, a cavern or a dungeon or something. Um, the mimic is dropping the little mimics into the ground. I think I would probably uh, be interrupting Valen or Diglin about this. Uh, Diglin, have you ever seen this happen before? Uh, yeah, she does it any time we get over some kind of uh, underground structure. Same, she drops them off, which is uh, good for us. You know, you won't have to double check your pillows. <laughs> Are we close enough? Are we close enough to where we rescued Kara that an underground structure here could intercept that one? It'd have to be huge. We're still a day's off. We're a day's ride on her, so... Well, maybe we should mark it down just in case there's something there that we should look at in the future. Could we gather up some of the little mimics and just save them, just so that we could test when we get closer? Um, Could we assume that we've uh, gotten a long rest? Or not a long rest, sorry, a short rest? A short rest, yep. If you show me where this is happening, I can try and take a look... Should I stop? Uh, no, uh, let let the mimic continue what it's doing. Okay. Um, my goal is to be near an opening when it uh, opens up to swallow a baby mimic. Yeah, so sta- you're up on the wall. You can sort of see the whole courtyard. And you're, like, looking around. It's, like, rock, plank, piece of wood, and then it's, like, fancy candelabra. <laughs> and it's standing, you know, perfectly still. Looks exactly like a fancy candelabra. But I imagine we've gotten sort of good at this game, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you're out of survival. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you, you have an inventory of, um, and yeah, I guess it has like an orange post-it note stuck <laughs> to it, <laughs> which is how you've been marking them. <laughs> so it's it's standing there, and then sure enough, as you're going, you see this process too. Now, Valen, the uh, pseudopod shoots up in the air. Uh, in a in a different arc, as high as it can go, and then plunges into the ground, and a little mouth opens up, and it falls in. And so I cast uh, Arcane Eye. Okay. And wh- I want to send the eye down through the like tube. Awesome. Okay. With with the mimic, you're magically great. tagging That's great. the baby to it. release into the wild. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I can move it thirty feet as an action. So I don't know if I hope I'm hoping that's fast enough to like follow it down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so are you looking through it now? What, yeah. Can you read that spell? Uh, so you create an invisible magical eye within range that hovers in the air for the duration. You mentally receive visual information from the eye, which has normal vision and dark vision out to 30 feet. The eye can look in every direction. As an action, you can move the eye up to 30 feet in any direction. There is no limit to how far away from you the eye can move but it can't enter another plane of existence. A solid barrier blocks the eye's movement, but the eye can pass through an opening as small as one inch in diameter. Cool. So looking through this eye, you go down a Willy Wonka horror tunnel of mimic. (laughs) All of the walls of this tube are just like teeth and eyes, and they're looking, and little tiny tentacles are coming out and kind of like preening the candelabra Ooh. as it goes yeah. down. I, I reach out like a, a like a, a flustered hand <laughs> for like Kara like to, to, to brace on like. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And it moves pretty fast, and it like it almost you almost don't get out the other side as the candelabra gets dropped down and just clatters onto a table, and immediately the candles in it light up as the eye comes down and looks down into this room that looks like there's like a little storage chest in here there are some like herbs hanging from the walls as the eye is like looking around you see a little door open and a bugbear come inside and kind of look at at the candelabra glowing and like looks around the room and then kind of gets this like aww look on its face and is looking around for someone <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it thinks it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, can I send the eye through the open door? Yep. Um, so out through the open door, you go into like a large 
larger sort of cavern underground. Um, and there's like water dripping from above and roots sticking down through the ground here. And you see little lights coming through the windows of all sorts of hovels, which are carved out through like a little tunnel system down here. Uh, you see a couple of bugbears pulling wagons that have um, all sorts of like vegetables and some fresh kills in them. Uh, a couple of them standing outside and talking. I believe they speak goblin. Do you speak goblin? I do not. No, so you can't really understand what they're saying. I guess you can't hear anyway, right? Through the eye? I don't think I can hear, no. No, so you, you can see them like pantomiming at each other and uh, it, it looks like this is just a, an underground bugbear community. Fascinating. And you, like, I think while you're looking around out here, you see a bucket with an orange sticky tab on it next to the well. And it looks like uh, she has been depositing babies throughout this community. (laughs) I I would probably just out of curiosity, like, send the eye around the community a little bit more just to see what I can see. Yeah, out of curiosity, I'll definitely, for another, like, 20 minutes or whatever, just, like... (laughs) poke around see what i can see cool yeah i I think you get you get some good insights on here that this community is just starting to wake up going around and looking in a few windows and stuff you see that there are these like huge rooms that are filled with these like really big lush furs and that there are lots of um there are like little pockets of bugbears that are just fast asleep in them some of the bugbears that are awake are making their way around and leaving sort of like packages on all the front doors all of these like of food and water what do bug bears look like they're they're like humanoid bears really i don't know why they're called they're bug bears but right Aren't they're they? goblin bears so they've got these like long arms they've got like bat ears little fangs with these sort of scrunched up faces yeah they're they're orc size so they're like not like furry orcs they're like fur- furry orcs yeah forks like as I as I looked around, I, I would have just said to whoever was next to me, "There's an adorable goblinoid community down there." Cool. Oh, I, I hope they discover the mimics before too many of them are harmed. Well, at least they're labeled. It, it should help them stand out. Yes, fascinating. But I, I don't believe it, it will provide us any method of uh, entry into Lilia's lair. That's. Pretty nice to know, though. We can wander over various things, and she'll punch little baby mimic holes down so we can tell we'll when we're... certainly want to pay closer attention, yes. Mm-hmm. So I, by now, like when you're checking the map to see where you are, if, if you're looking at... I don't know if you can see Diglin's map right now, but you've come along the southern side of the Aetherlock, crossed the first river there on the left, And you're about halfway up to where the bridge is. You know that Gump's Hot Springs and the tower that you went into are kind of on those first ring of trees on the left side of the little lake above, uh, right below the Rotten Pines. So within the next day, you'll be able to get, if you want, right up to where you escaped. We see the cabin on its horrific pseudopods carry the party farther north as large snowflakes begin to drift lazily downwards, protected from the whipping wind above by the wall of mountains all around. Blue motes of light drift with the same lazy swirl through the pitch-black entrance of the crystal cathedral, illuminating Bree and Rowan as they step inside. So the motes of blue have made their way inside, and as you step in with the storm key, the walls lit up around you, another staircase that leads deeper inside this cathedral. Despite the size of it on the outside, it feels almost cramped in comparison to how big it looks out Mm. there. These stairs leading up into a circular room, which seems to be surrounded by a field that looks out into the water on all sides. As you step up this staircase and into this strange room, all around there are consoles like you saw in the room where you first entered, but the complexity of them puts the first ones to shame. Uh, Symbols on every inch of them. There are three hexagonal ports sitting in them. 
the blue lights kind of tapping and shocking against the field that separates you from the dark water outside. Do we recognize the runes as matching any of the keys that we have? Mm -hmm. The runes on these panels are like totally alien, but there are a couple of things I think, Rowan, that you notice. I I think the biggest one is there is a symbol that matches the uh, gate that you came through. Oh, like the very first one. On the other side. Yeah. There is a symbol that matches kind of like the word for fire. Okay. Next to one of them is the sign for light. Okay, and sign for light. All right, and I I point that out to Bree as well and be like, yeah, that that one's, uh, it's a little different, but but you kind of see how it sort of shapes into the word for fire. You you see that and kind of like these lines and and sort of point that out to to Bree as we go. And and then this one's light. Oh, but it's all just different enough, you know what? I'm going to do an investigation to see if I can get a sense of... You say they're all lit up, right? They're not lit up, no. They're, they're not lit the up. The only reason you can see them is the blue motes and the light from the key. Okay. And uh, when you were describing looking out on the water bit, someone was moving outside and I didn't quite catch it all. So it's like we're on a platform sort of up and we can see out into the dark water kind of around us? Yeah, yeah. So this this cathedral would be facing the center of the ring but it's Mm -hmm. just darkness outside. You can see a couple of the sections that you have lit up on the way. Uh, You are above them. And looking down and to your left, you can see the sections that you came through. And down and to your right, you see another dim section lit up, but the rest of the city is just out in the void of darkness. Uh, Do you think uh, it controls things like light for whole city? Uh, You said in journal, they turn... The they had off. no choice. They had to turn lights off. Yeah, it's that no choice bit that, I mean, they did it. Did they do it because, you know, they, they were depressed and they, they couldn't kind of bear? Or did they do it to preserve energy? You know, like, is this one of those things where we turn on all the lights and then the whole city goes dead on us and, and you know, we flood with water and, and then we drown? Or do you think maybe they turn off lights because they attract things like what we fought? Oh, oh that might even be a scarier thought. Well, oh. well, fire does not seem like a good option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that seems like a pretty extreme pest control. I, I, it, my thought is that maybe it's it's something to do with that anvil we saw in the other room. Maybe. Oh, it's possible. Then this may be good action. Yeah, I mean, surely they wouldn't have some kind of like purge by fire button in, in their main console. You, you know. Surely. Pretty shrug to you. I've never seen anything remotely like this in her life. Yeah. And I mean, that doesn't even mention the fact that these are all kind of weird symbols in their own right. I mean, they're not quite what I know of giant. And, and But yeah, I mean, surely light is, is the simplest one. What what if we try that? And then if lights turn on, then, then we've got an idea then that, you know, we're reading it right at least. And uh, yeah, all doors are closed in main rooms. So Yeah. 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 So, so or, even... Most doors are closed. Uh, the ones we could see, anyway. You know, even if we turn it on for a second, you know, okay, yeah, it's lights, and, and then we can turn it off again. I, I trust in your judgment, Rowan. Yeah, you are uh, oh, sure. better learned in things like this than me. Oh, okay, sure. Put the blame on me. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, hey, absolutely, yes. He's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Bria's, like, holding out, like, the, the just, like, taking off the bangles and the necklace and everything. Yeah, oh, okay, all right. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Yep, all right, let's do it. And I'll, I'll take the key and I'll put it in the one for light and uh, give it a turn. Okay. One by one, darkened sections of the city around you start to light up. Through this viewport, even though you've seen pictures and even though you can see some pieces, the scale of this city is unbelievable. There's beautiful crystal architecture jutting up like the ridges of a crown surrounding this central area. But the lights also illuminate something else. The reason for the sealed passages, the reason these lights were turned off in the first place. In the center of the city, erupting through the domed interior is a war frozen in portrait. Tentacles from the thickness of a rope to the thickness of a castle wall 
coil up from the shattered center of the city. Storm giants riding strange vehicles made of clouds, doing battle with tentacles, and strange ghostly white eyeless horrors from the deep sea. Flashes of lightning frozen in place, clouds of blood, bubbles coming from desperate cries, all frozen. In the center of the maelstrom is a storm giant wearing a brilliant sapphire crown and golden plate armor, featuring pauldrons that gleam like half-suns. And Rowan, they are holding an object which is unmistakable, even from this distance. It is a shard of bluish-purple geode grasped in their hand, which is being constricted by one of the tentacles as if they are wrestling for it. And before you can catch your breath from spotting this, a new light washes over the entire scene. From the center, the hole in the city, a sickly green glow emanates as one giant eye the size of a lake slowly opens creaking with great effort from the dark pit under the sundered city. The familiar rumble under your feet begins again, but this time you understand it. As it says, and we'll pause there. Well, fuck. Oh, that was even worse than I could have imagined. <laughs> Should have went with the fire one. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Thank you for listening to another episode of Wonders and Blunders. Ben and Whom were played by Mitchell Bradbury. Bree was played by Kieran Dyke. Kara was played by Kate Clark. Rowan was played by Andy Woolridge. Star was played by Robert. Phelan was played by Evan Walsh. The World of Fadoon was created by your dungeon mom, Mike Farty, and exists in the D&D 5e system, published by Wizards of the Coast. Our logo was created by Mike Butler, and our character art was created by Mike Fian and Brepi. Available links to the players and artists can be found in the show notes. Go check them out. We're an independent podcast supported by you, the listener. To support the show, go check out patreon.com slash wonderandblunder, leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice, and follow us on social media, at wonderandblunder. Thanks for continuing to listen and spreading the word. It means the world to us. And as always, keep being the best. We love you very much, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>